Guys, ahead of this week's podcast, I want to start with a caveat to just <laughs> apologise <laughs> and say that there may be some glitchy sounds in the background. Um, <laughs> just like that. Like that. <laughs> in case you haven't realised yet, we don't really know what we're doing with this thing. It's, <laughs> it's all an amateur approach, as with everything. Um, so we re- recorded it all and played it back, and it sounded like we were talking to a Pringle can with uh, Stuart Little drumming on the side of it. <laughs> so it was incredibly frustrating. So hopefully you can bear with those sections where it gets slightly annoying. There shouldn't be too much of it, as we re-recorded a decent chunk of it. Um, but yeah, hopefully you enjoy it anyway, and thanks for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> kind of looked at me and they said the answer was was alcohol. So ladies and gentlemen, The Tempest 2. Tom Caulfield, James Whittle, The Tempest 2. This is the story of The Tempest 2. Okay, hey guys, and welcome to uh, episode 9 of the Tempest 2 podcast and episode 1 of the El Capitan series. Uh, We're currently recording this podcast at the bottom of El Capitan in El Cap Meadow, sat in a camper van that we will be living out of for the next month. And yeah, we are here, finally. Uh, But I think first we want to take you back. Obviously, we spoke in the last episode about what this challenge is and how we came to the decision. But I think it's worth covering briefly the process we've been on since making that decision to uh, to arriving here today. So yeah, what a what a journey it's been. <laughs> it's actually so weird to now actually be in Yosemite after well, what's been a bit of a whirlwind 18 months and to kind of give some context, 18 months ago, James and I had never rock climbed. Um, I think we've both been to rock climbing parties when we were 10 years old, when you clip in and climb up different multicolored cartoony things. But that was about our, the extent of our experience. So 18 months ago, we, after speaking to some of the best climbers in the world and getting the sign off from them, we began our journey of, of how to kind of learn how to climb El Cap, the, the biggest, most famous rock climb on the planet. And that started really in the climbing gyms. We did the vast majority of our training in the Westway Climbing Centre near Shepherd's Bush. Uh, and in our head, it was like, right, to learn how to climb Elcat, we need to learn how to climb. And when you live in London, that means going indoor. And the, the first six to eight months, we climbed pretty much exclusively indoors, which has its pros because you build kind of grip strength. You get used to some of the techniques um, because there's so many different types of climbing um, and so many different types of kind of little intricacies that you really have no idea until you start doing it. Um, and that was kind of the first six months of our of our kind of training. And we, I think we did pretty well at that. We We kind of progressed pretty quickly as indoor climbers but then soon realized that that method of training was pretty irrelevant yeah we were making good progress and 
yeah, we, in that regard, I think we were feeling like we were getting closer to our goal. And yeah, we, we did realise it was irrelevant after our first sport climbing trip um, where we went to the Peak District, uh, which is basically applying the same skills that you learn indoors, but uh, in an outdoor environment. So there's rocks p- sort of jutting out that you could hit if you fall. Um, and that felt like a big adventure to us to begin with. Um, and little did we know kind of how far removed that is from our end goal. But it was, I guess it was progress. Um, we spent trips going up to the Peak District to a place called Horseshoe Quarry um, before eventually going on a on a trad trip. Actually, I think it's worth breaking down the lingo of... Um, there's a lot of climbing lingo that we're probably going to use over the next few episodes that don't make any sense and sounds nonsensical, but um, it does have a purpose. So. Yeah, so the lingo is trad climbing. I should start with sport climbing. Sport climbing is when a route outdoors is bolted, so there is metal bolts in the wall. So as you climb, you basically put a quick draw to it and you attach the rope to that. So it's very, very secure. If you fall on that bolt, it's not coming out the wall. It's still intimidating when you climb outdoors and uh, you don't really like falling, but it's, it's perfectly safe. Whereas trad climbing, which is traditional climbing, is when you climb a route that is blank. And as you climb, you have a rack of gear on your harness, such as cams or nuts uh, or hexes, all these different basically pieces of metal, these different tools that as you climb, you place into the rock and clip your rope to. So you're basically protecting yourself and what that does when we were indoors obviously it was pretty scary um like falling and we we were pretty intimidated falling indoors then we progressed to sport outdoor where we were again like outdoor climbing was like a totally different sport to us and we were scared on that and then we got to trad and trad is just this completely different beast it's it's absolutely terrifying and we we dreaded going trad climbing at the very start didn't we oh god yeah it's uh, just knowing that you have to climb and then place your own protection and you're fully responsible for your own safety and that protection that you place catching you just adds a whole new element of danger and essentially fear so sport climbing is good because if you fall it's a bolt catching you which you know as far as we're concerned that is a bomber we're relying on that and, and you're taking big falls on it and you're not even second guessing it you're just clipping to it uh, still you're still going for a ride you still could be falling 10 20 feet easily um but knowing that a bolt is catching you has some sort of psychological safety attached to it whereas trad climbing i mean there's a skill of climbing obviously in itself there's a skill of being able to get yourself in a position where you're comfortable finding the right piece of gear that fits in the rock and placing it securely so that it catches you and and that is a is a skill in itself you know we would be on these trad trips climbing up uh, trying to place as much gear as possible because we're not confident in Every our ability six yet. Inches, literally, literally as soon as we made a bit of progress, bang another bit of gear in. And we learned very quickly that there's absolutely a skill to placing this gear. Uh, if you if you put it in wrong and you carry on climbing past it, it can just pop out and you'll be looking down at your rope and this piece of protection that you've placed to catch you is just kind of blowing in the wind. Um, whereas you have to make sure it's locked in. And, and if you do place it well, it's worth saying that they are incredibly safe. You know, you can hang a car off it. They, they will take 
like huge weight loads um but being able to place gear uh, we spent so much time faffing around just putting wrong stuff in it falling out and it falling out and it is it makes climbing it feel like a totally different sport trad to sport climbing it is i think it's indoor climbing is just physicality yeah there's really no risk to it at all and although it's scary falling a little bit maybe you're having a 10 foot forward tops that's the worst that could happen then when you trad climb outside the physicality is 50 percent of the job and then their, their head game is the other 50%. Because if you're not right in the head and you're not confident and you're not climbing with confidence and you second guess yourself or you get scared and you panic, that is when you run into real problems. And that is what we've had to really, and we are still very much learning, yeah. is how to decide and have the confidence to go, yeah, I'm I'm above my gear. I've got a big fall here, but there's there's this is not the right place for me to stop and try and put protection in because if I do, I'm in a stress position. My arms are blowing out. I'm beginning to shake. I can't find any gear. I'm faffing around, and you just drop off the wall. And that's yeah. happened to me on numerous occasions <laughs> where I'm there and I'm like I'm fucked, and you just let go and you've just got to take the fall and just hope that gear catches you. Yeah, and that is what we are learning at the moment is that head game of backing yourself to. Do you know what? I'm just going to try and cruise up this bit and get a bit of gear up there and trying to block out that fear factor of in your head you're going, okay, you're 10 feet above your gear, you're 20 feet above your gear, you're 30 feet above your gear. Yeah. And when you get to that point, you're like, I cannot fall here. Yeah, I've got to really play something now. <laughs> and you're placing a bit and you're just hoping it's bomber. Yeah. And, well, it's probably worth us defining, actually, another bit of lingo, what is bomber? Bomber is something that is good, really good, safe, um yeah like i said could catch anything and well it traditionally comes from placing a bomber piece of equipment so a cam or a nut that is safe and is definitely going to catch you if you fall and have to test it it translates for us into anything. any environment <laughs> like for example man that burger was bomber <laughs> and it still makes sense um so yeah it was it's been a, a crazy kind of 18 month 16 month lead up to, to getting to where we are now that was a, a combination of sport climbing trips and track climbing trips um, and we learned loads from them regardless and I think we, we were getting ourselves into a position where we were quite confident with our climbing ability so indoors and on sport routes maybe even as well but we were happy with the ability we, we were working out there's uh, again a bit of lingo there's like different climbing grades depending on where you are in the world which is really annoying but um we were converting the grades that we were climbing indoors to the grades that we thought we were going to be climbing over here in Yosemite and going, actually, we feel relatively confident on that at that level. And with a bit like a few more months training, you know, I'm sure this will be, we'll be in a good position. And then we came out here in June, was it? Yeah. To Yosemite for like a, a training trip to meet our kind of not guide, but instructor, coach, mentor, a bit of a legend, a guy called Eric, who um, was going to show us the ropes, kind of show us around Yosemite and good places to train show and good places ropes. to climb. We, oui. oui. <laughs> Climbing pun. And, um, and we came out here and he took us on a couple of climbs and it was the exact opposite. We felt we got absolutely beasted. The grades don't convert at all. And we were instantly brought back down to earth. Everything's a climbing pun, isn't it? <laughs> but we were, uh, yeah, it, it was quite a humbling experience because we came in, not confident, that would be totally wrong, but like secretly, 
you know, we, we, we'd been climbing a lot. We were felt fit. We felt looking forward to putting a week in Yosemite. And, and actually, after even after the first day, we were absolutely battered. And I think Yosemite, we obviously weren't aware of it, but you actually speak to climbers and they say there are climbing grades and there's Yosemite grades. And I think this, we are literally sat now in a camper van in the mecca of climbing on the planet and you get the best climbers in the world coming here they're actually all here pretty much this month which is hilarious because we're here as well <laughs> we um, all made it over yeah and they we all made it they are climbing the hardest routes in the world so the standard of climbing here is like no other place on the planet and so a a climb that is a i don't know a 59 in the UK is probably a 510c or 511 over here yeah like when you actually compare it um and it's just it's just a whole new world out here like and it's something we didn't anticipate was crack climbing which is a whole other thing so there's very 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 limited crack climbing in the uk there's basically one crag in the peak district there where there's loads of cracks but even they are not that representative of the cracks over here and it's granite rock rather than millstone and it's just basically, yeah, humbled us beyond belief. Yeah, the, the, the crack climbing is... So when, you, when you're climbing indoors, obviously you're following this colour system and you're grabbing positive holds that all feel relatively safe, like if you're, if you're strong enough. Whereas crack climbing is different in the sense that there's just a seam that runs up this rock um, and you have to kind of wedge and contort your hands, fists, feet, knees into this crack and that's what keeps you in there and unless you have the technique dialed it is the scariest, yeah. sketchiest and, and least bomber like climbing you can do and that's what when we came in June was so scary is we'd never crack climb yeah we'd never, never crack climb so no, we, we couldn't we couldn't <laughs> Jesus man <laughs> we um we, you're climbing up it and you, then you have to stop to place protection and place gear and you can't do that because you don't feel safe at all so it's hard enough making progress up um, so crack climbing was massively eye opening and then the second thing that is so hard to get across even on photos and videos it's just the scale the size of everything over here um so the climb that we're going to be doing is three thousand feet which i mean it's got to be one of the biggest in the world granite walls but even the warm-up ones that we were doing in june 600 feet we were getting to and, and the guy that we were doing it with you know it's absolutely nothing for him he'll just run up it in a couple of hours whereas the maximum height we were getting to in the peaks was maybe 20 meters 60 tops. feet tops yeah, and tops. that's like doing that doing kind of the biggest line i'm sure there's there's big routes available in in the peak somewhere but not with crack climbing that was relevant so and even then it's, it's probably single pitch stuff so this was yeah massively shocking just obviously in the most basic sense when you've been climbing for an hour and then you look down between your feet and it's a very long way to the ground and the trees are tiny it's all that sort of thing that then plays into the head game even more which is which has been interesting to get used to yeah and we're sat we can look out the window of this van now and we can see El Cap and to give you some, it's very hard to get across actually how big this thing is. It looks big in photos, it looks big in videos, but until you stand at the bottom of it, you can't really comprehend the size of it. And to give some kind of comparison, it's basically bang on two Empire State, State buildings piled on top of each other. Yeah. So if you've ever been to New York, if you've ever been on top of the Empire State, bang another one on top. 
and that's what we've got to climb. Or three Eiffel Towers if three you're Eiffel Parisian. Tower. Yeah, well, there you go. You've got a European <laughs> and a US example. Could that be... Can we get an Asian one? Uh, it is... Uh, <laughs> it is... Uh, four hundred and fifty thousand Chinese takeaways, <laughs> <laughs> noodle boxes, stack them up. Um, but basically, it's it's fucking huge. This yeah, thing is. is huge, and we still sit here and looking at it right now. And there are people on it. You can't see them. They are like ants, and that's where we're going to be for four days on the rock, sleeping on ledges, working ourselves from the moment the sun comes up to the moment the sun goes down, and probably a bit beyond, and and it's going to be the most unbelievably intense adventure we've ever, ever been on. Like This is proper, proper, proper big boy stuff. Yeah. We're not we're not trying to paint a picture, trying to make it sound more epic. We don't need to. If you know anything about climbing, it's big. If you don't know anything about climbing, you just need to look at it. And El Cap has been pushed to the fore of the media and people's attention because obviously what Alex Honnold has just done and what Tommy Caldwell did with the Dawn Wall. So it's becoming a little bit more kind of uh, known and a bit more understood. But until you actually start climbing... You can't comprehend what these these athletes are doing out here. It is genuinely, I think, they are the most impressive athletes on the entire planet. Yeah, for sure. It's mental. So, yeah, but we've been here how long? What was our journey here like? A couple of days. So we flew out on Thursday morning, got to Gatwick, plenty of time. Yeah. Thought, get a Nando's, obviously, because we had well, to... Well, we, we checked in, didn't we? Like, yeah, Norwegian. Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, and, and you got a 20 kilo per checked bag each uh we rocked up with a solid 30 kilos each which you know we were expecting to pay for and um also we didn't have a return flight which we were told we didn't need and you do indeed need yeah so we were at the checkout you can't come into the us because you haven't got a return flight so basically had to book a flight from New York to London just the, to get the, on the cheapest plane. possible yeah, flight, which was ideal. Anyway, got through. They let the bags through, so we were over the moon because last time we had to pay a fortune. And uh, well, had a Nando's, obviously, lovely Nando's, cheeky Nandinos, and then went to Starbucks, slurping on a couple of frappes, <laughs> sending a couple of emails. We had like do. an hour before boarding. We were there just doing a bit of work, had a couple of emails to send, yeah. and then it was just like, bing bong. Can Mr. James Whittle and Thomas Caulfield please make the way to the gates? Uh, the flight is leaving. It was like, oh shit! Yeah, just looked up at the screen. Flight closing. Um, gate thirty-seven. We're like, right, we better take off. Start running. Gate thirty-seven is FYI in Gatwick, about seven miles away yeah. from the Starbucks. I'm ninety-nine percent sure. It's actually in Kent. Yeah, thirty-seven is in Kent. It's a stitch. I think you actually fly from Stansted in the end. <laughs> it's uh, oh god. So we were pegging it through the airport and this woman at the check-in desk is absolutely having us on she's going your bags are being pulled off the plane as we speak unless you get here in the next two minutes like this is all going on the tannoy we are jet stream we are absolutely flying setting records 
Oh, God, the stress. Yeah, so the, the thought of buying a, a little pret sandwich for the flight and a couple of couple of drinks beforehand just to take on board was all dashed. And instead, we were the last people on the plane, sat down, kind of dripping with sweat. Absolutely horrendous. The only godsend was that we obviously knew that we were the last two people on the plane and we were originally supposed to sit next oh, to God. what looked like the female version of the lead singer from Green Day, <laughs> chowing down on a Burger King. Um, so, <laughs> Got so, to our row. Jesus. Got to our row and I had the middle seat and it was like, right, 32, 33, here we go. And it was like, oh my emo. <laughs> there was, oh, there was a like an 18 stone emo eating a Burger King. And we're there like, we've just set the British record for the 1500 metres, so we should be elated. I mean, you could hear her chewing when oh we got on the plane. Oh my God. It, it, was, was, it was very audible. And it was just like, no, surely not. And then because we were last ones on, we spotted a free road down the back of the plane. So silver lining. Yeah, absolute silver lining. That um, we didn't have to sit next to Ozzy Osbourne the whole way. <laughs> but yeah, the flight was fine. Ten and a half hours or so, a couple of terrible films, Shit films. deleted. And then land in LA, uh, stay relatively close to the airport, like Venice Beach, a little bit of dinner. And then the next day, we go, got a couple of meetings, and then we go to pick up this camper van, which is an escape camper van. They're based like, kind of by the airport in LA. And yeah, it's amazing. We basically, it's our home for the next three weeks, four weeks, whatever it is. Um, kind of like a long transporter esque van with a like living room area that turns into a double bed. Uh, kitchen kind of out the back doors and then obviously there's five seats at the front so it's an it's a amazing space I mean we've managed to fill it with gear immediately um, <laughs> so yeah we picked up the escape camper van we drove to Yosemite six and a half hours we arrived we met Eric um, and we had a load of kind of climbing gear sent over here by Black Diamond um, who are kind of our climbing sponsor for the, the whole adventure sorted through that and then we went for our first climb yesterday didn't we yeah he he put us through our paces immediately. Um, yeah, we well, classic Eric. He just sort of saw a climb that he wanted to do, I think, and threw us on that, which is it was really bloody tough. First climb, no warm up, straight onto a, an eleven A or something, sub whatever it was. Uh, absolutely savage. So that took longer than it should have. Came down, did some rescue techniques. So I think he was keen for us to understand what to do if we get stuck in an emergency situation which makes total sense um so we went through all those basic systems how to rescue the other one off the rock if they've been knocked out or broken the leg or whatever it is um which was pretty bleak and hopefully we never actually have to use um and then we went up a route called bishop's terrace i think it's called which is a crack climb a double picture which is basically two lengths of rope usually um and he was like yeah i'll just climb up this you guys follow me and he started five minutes later he's a nutter isn't he pitch black he's a nutter he's an absolute animal he he, he literally placed five bits of gear on this this <laughs> what was it a 75 meter route yeah he literally placed five bits of gear and we followed him up just to kind of get back to kind of crack climbing and the technique and and he was so run out like run out also means like if you climb way above your gear obviously if you fall you're going to fall a really long way so running something out is climbing above your gear a long way and I was taking this gear out and it was just like 
where's the next bit? Yeah. Just the Mental. the level of cruise control these climbers can go on. Just they have no fear. And I remember we spoke to him about it last time we came. We were like, why aren't you placing gear? And he's like, are you worried when you walk down a set of stairs? And it's like, well, no. He's like, that's how I feel. It's like, that is bullshit. You're a liar. Everyone can walk downstairs. Yeah. Not everyone, sorry. But, you know, most people can walk downstairs. It's not even in the same sphere of relevance. Yeah. It's, it just doesn't... What we were saying earlier with you being conscious of protecting yourself on a fall, it's obviously doesn't run the same way with people that are very confident or very good at climbing. He, It was almost an afterthought. The, the climbing was what was going on through his head and then he almost remember like oh shit I better place a bit of protection in, yeah. in just in case I fall here but that wasn't even crossing his mind and yeah he plugged something in and carry on and by the time we set off it was full head torch committee pitch um, black wasn't it pitch black and yeah we followed him up this this crack which was actually an amazing experience um, we always joke like when we're going to do LCAP we're not climbing in the dark because it looks absolutely terrifying um, and we didn't plan on climbing in the dark at all but then there we were first day climbing in the dark 200 footer which is yeah perfect so thanks for that Eric there's definitely pros and cons to that nighttime climbing because it obviously you can only see the beam of your head torch that's the only there's no peripheral vision really yeah. which makes it slightly more challenging to maybe figure out the route or to see a foothold sometimes if you look down and your knees in the way you can't see your feet so you don't really know where to place them but at the same time the the pros of it are there's no exposure yeah you can't see the floor you can't see the floor so you're almost just climbing in this little bubble and all that matters is the next move or the next two moves and that is actually a bit of an asset, I think, because when you get up above maybe 100 feet yeah. and you look down, that's when you start to maybe do things you wouldn't normally do just because you're scared about the height and the vertigo. Yeah, for sure. And when it's dark, you don't really get that exposure. So I can see why people do it, especially on LCAP when you're 1,000 feet up. Yeah. Um, if you can just focus on your hands and your feet and nothing else, then that must be pretty... Uh, yeah, a, a, a pretty big positive, really. Yeah, just to give you an idea of how like nuts Eric is, is he the, he basically climbed the, the night that we got here. He climbed uh, the first third on El Cap in like a couple of hours. It's uh, a place called Dalt Tower, which is like a quite a significant feature on El Cap that you try and get to on the first day, for example. Uh, and he'll just just run up it casually, come back down, do it in a couple of hours. So we are eyeing that up kind of at this moment of potentially doing this this Dalt Tower run, um, following him, but just to get an idea of actually what El Capitan is like, the the steepness of it, just the scale of it, and to kind of climb the first third in height. So if we do end up doing that, we'll, we'll let you know how we get on in the next one. But yeah, the, the guy's absolutely mental. It's very impressive. And it's good for us to be around someone who thinks like that rather than being around just maybe being around each other where we'd be scared and maybe doubting everything because we've not done it before to be with someone at everything so casual and cruise controlly it kind of fills us with a bit of confidence in how much trust he puts in the gear and he puts in the systems it kind of trickles down to us i think which is quite cool and i think there there's definitely something to be said for that we've had in our adventure experience probably three different types of guide the first one being the absolute renegade yep Someone who is seriously, seriously nonchalant, just expects you to keep up with them, doesn't really give a shit, yeah. just goes at their own pace, and if you can't keep up, you can't keep up. 
So probably too far on that kind of spectrum. Je m'appelle Eric. Yeah, Eric on Mont Blanc. <laughs> and then we've had the other end of it where we've had a, a guide in the UK who is very, very competent, but almost added a bit of scare factor for us because yeah. they were like... You need to place gear here and you never, ever fall on gear, never rest on gear. Yeah. If you rest on gear, it could come out and you could fall. And basically just fucking made everything so scary. Yeah, scared the shit You're out of like, them, didn't shit, it? so I can't fall. It's like, no, never fall on gear if you can avoid it. It's like, oh, no, like, that means I can't fall. Means I'm going to fall on yeah. gear. And... Totally. When you have someone like that who is just super safety Steve, just like everything has to be this and, and you can't do it if it's not this way and you're like, shit, okay. You suddenly got all these really firm lines in place that you can't cross. Yeah. And then I think Eric is the perfect balance of both. Yeah, true. I think he is very, very bullish. He fills us with confidence. He's like, yeah, man, you'll, of course you'll do that. Like just do this and just do this. Or if you're not comfortable, follow me up first and then you lead it. And, but he's also, like, he's always talking us through the techniques. And he's like, you know what? If you place a good bit of gear, that could catch a car. He's like, you can fall on it. Like, if you're afraid to fall on it, then what's the point of having it there? Like, yeah. It uh, may, it, and it makes you climb way worse if you're just scared of falling yeah, the whole time. Gotcha. You can't climb like that. Exactly. Um, no, that's a very good point, actually. Oh, and also yesterday, we saw a bear. Yes. A real bear. A genuine bear that was just running through the meadow, um, followed by a couple of the Yosemite... Chinese tourists. Yeah, Chinese tourists, <laughs> and then the Yosemite guides trying to shoo the tourists away and then shoo the bear away. Um, but it was, yeah, amazing. If anyone's either been or, or not been, Yosemite National Park is a crazy place. It's like half wilderness, amazing beauty, serenity, with like these nutters climbing and kind of exploring. And then it's half theme park, Jurassic Park, like full tourist mode. It's, it's weird, isn't it? It's such a strange blend. And, and the thing that makes it crazy is they're right next to each other. There's people climbing up these massive, scary routes, taking massive falls. You know, there's emergency helicopters people in and out of the valley all, yeah, the all the time. And 10 metres away, there's a 1,000 tourists on a, a big green bus, open-top bus, taking photos of that exact thing. You know, there's bears running through the meadows. There's deer everywhere, gazelles everywhere. It's um, <laughs> it's mental. <laughs> Just it's, that there is no fucking gazelles <laughs> in Yosemite. Like, you keep getting confused between something and a gazelle. You're like, oh, well, I hope we don't see a gazelle. <laughs> but a gazelle, as in the African plain deer type animal. Well, either way, there's gazelle-looking things all over the place. And... Um, yeah, it's it's a real strange contrast. Amazing, amazing place, and obviously would recommend anyone to come here. Um, it's a bit weird, though. But isn't it's it? it's I'm kind not of weird. Sure yeah. How well, I mean, we about it. obviously we're going. Our plan this afternoon is we're going to do a multi pitch climb, and when you're doing that, you feel super isolated. And then yet this morning we're in Starbucks, Starbucks <laughs> in the village centre with. I know nearly a thousand other people. It, it's it's really really strange, but it's I guess it's awesome. It's good in the fact that you can park close to where you're climbing, which is pretty rare for most amazing climbs in the world. Is you usually have a good solid hour or so hike in, um, which is what makes them remote. This isn't really like that at all, which makes it totally different. Um, but yeah, it's been a kind of crazy couple of days getting ready for this, and. Now, so today we're kind of on our own. What we're going to be doing for the next couple of weeks is spending a bit of time with Eric doing the technical things and then 
most of the time kind of by ourselves applying those technical skills uh kind of going through the motions getting used to everything that we're going to be doing on el cap um, and using all the climbs around in the valley to practice those systems whether it's a a 10 pitch uh like full-on day then we'll be doing that thing down to a single pitch practicing the rescues like we said earlier or practicing aid climbing uh, and this is obviously the first snapshot after only being here a couple of days but how are you feeling about it uh how am i feeling about it i feel far more like relaxed on the climbing front i don't feel like as nervous i don't dread it as much when we go for a climb yeah i'm the same still there's there's so much to learn like just chatting to eric last night about yeah yeah, like then you do pitch two and then you've got to swing down to here and do this and you can't fall here because then you'll swing and die and whatever it's like then you need to do this and it's just like whoa whoa, you can you can kind of get how the whole like choreography thing or like rehearsing thing that honor does in free solo like it is such a logistical faff like doing this whole thing that it's so it's so important that we're here for this period of time um one for to get all the practice in and just to make climbing every day like a part of our daily routine um but also it it kind of just makes it normality for us it's really hard to picture climbing el cap you know when you're sat in a in your co-working office in old street whereas when you're living in a van at the bottom of el cap um, surrounded by people that are taking on climbs every day, it just becomes more normal. And that, I think that's the key for essentially two total novices unlocking and, and climbing El Capitan, which is, which is yeah, obviously a, a pretty amazing experience. Yeah, I think um, I've, I've never looked forward to something like, to achieving something so much. Yeah. I'm so ready just to get it done. Yeah. Because being totally honest, like this has been pretty... It's been pretty kind of intimidating. Oh, yeah. Super stressful. Like, Super this first stressful. one I've really lost sleep about. Yeah, and some in. days I fucking, like, have crippling anxiety about yeah. it. Just like, what are we doing? Well, we say, no, it's like a, a cloud has been following us around. Yeah, genuinely. At, at the back of all conversations, or when we get a spare moment, it's like, oh, shit, I forgot I'm climbing El Cap at like, yeah. the end of the month. But it, it's that same thing that, like, drives us to, to do it. It's important to do that. But, yeah it is so stressful and it's funny I think on our Instagram obviously we're very we're very light hearted with stuff we see the funny side and everything but it's probably be interesting for people to know that we're not just dancing through this god no quite we're not like oh yeah this one adventure this is going to be we are we've been really really kind of really absorbed by this whole process and it's been pretty taxing oh yeah alongside running a business as well you suddenly, it's just always been there for the past 18 months. Yeah. But more so in the last six months, I think, because it's become a bit more real. 18 months ago, it's just like, yeah, I didn't really fucking know what was going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. So we're climbing indoors. Yeah, cra- well yeah, it was kind of the beginning yeah, of all, like, more of the row thing. Yeah. We could be naive 18 months ago and be like, yeah, this is going to be amazing. Whereas now it's like, oh, we need to learn this shit. Otherwise, we're, we're in danger. And it's, it's super intimidating. But, but th- this will be, if we make it to the top of this thing, that, in my opinion genuinely shows that anyone can go and do anything yeah totally totally agree good point um right on that note should we fly into some questions from social media social okay check on the socials uh right first one 
Luke Cullen. Right, and what's he said? Any any pump up music beforehand? Miley Cyrus, The Climb is a must. <laughs> That's actually a thought. hell of a tune. Don't know it. Yes, The Climb. That's it. Right. <laughs> that's, that's the bulk of it, I think. It doesn't ring a bell, but it sounds like a tune, I'll play to it be fair. I'll play it for you later. Okay. Um, oh, good question. Pump up music. I personally would probably steer clear of pump up music. Ooh. I am... You're already pumped. I'm gripped. Um, Damn, as soon as I start, I'm flying. I would need the opposite. You're I'd, an animal. I'd need some chill-out music, I think. Okay, name just, me. Just to get my head in the game. Maybe talking. Um... Maybe like a John Williams or a Hans Zimmer. Okay, a bit, bit of Harry Potter. Yeah, maybe a movie themes track um, just to get like in the zone. Legally Blonde or something. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a symphony. That's Harry Potter. What about yours? What would you be? I don't... Uh, I do like listening to music. Um, <laughs> I also like TV. <laughs> That's like a fucking Bebo profile. Speed dating. Uh I mean, when I used to climb in the gym on my own, um, I'd often put on a bit of the Greatest Showman playlist. Yes. Which your favourite song? We're talking right here, right now. Like it. Yeah, good tune. I'm Zac Efron, and then I'd be like, I'm Zac Efron. Yeah, I like it. Who's the other guy on like that? Jackman. Yeah, Big Hugh. Hugh Jackoff. Hugh. He's uh, <laughs> not as good, is he? No, he's old and he just sings an opera voice. Anyway, we're getting into it. So you like, into it. yeah, okay. What good do film. we? What we've been playing a lot of in the van, anyway. Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Chain. Good song. That is not the fuck, That's not the chain. The chain. Uh, yeah, classic road trip music. You're gonna go your own way. Go your, your own, own way. way. You can have it number one lonely day. So you can tell yes. why we like that song. <laughs> okay. It's a classic. Right. Next question. Next question. Uh, from Steve. Just called Steve on Instagram, which is hip. It's a great name. Planning a long cycle trip. This isn't climbing, Steve, but we'll. Anyway, planning a long cycle trip, currently shoddy fitness. Been there, Steve. Yeah, we can relate to that. Been there before. Advice on planning a day's length. I guess he means breaking the long cycle trip up. They're all 24 hours. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Just Um, go into your six, Steve, and then set up camp. I would say on that one, take a try and train with the bike and kit that you're using as close as possible so you actually yeah, have more weight. of a realistic yeah, yeah, yeah. how fast and how far you could go and then take 20% off that because stuff will go wrong uh, weather will be bad and it's better to plan for that and if you are feeling great then do another hour or so but I would say go that way um, because we were surprised the other way on multiple occasions um, and it left us high and dry so yeah do that I'd say Cool. Next question from Emily. Do you get vertigo at all and how do you deal with it? Yes and don't know. Yeah, definitely. Definitely get vertigo. Definitely. Sure. And I think exposure to it is probably the best thing to get over it. Just spend more time at height. Yeah, and I think also a bit of self-chat. I think uh, when you actually think about it logically... 100 metres shouldn't be any different to 1,000. If something goes wrong and you hit the deck, it's the same consequence, which sounds morbid, but it's true. So it's almost, if you get freaked out by the height, it's almost having a bit of a word with yourself inside and just getting back to being present and having confidence and getting back to the processes. And hopefully that should 
settle those nerves of, of being high up. But it's natural, isn't it? It's, yeah. If you're I, high I, up, you're going to be shitting your pants. Totally. And I think the safety or like fearing less comes from knowing more. So the more you understand about your systems and what you're doing and how well you're doing it, the more comfortable you feel at that height, especially if, if something's to go wrong and you know what the backup is and the backup of that backup. That all helps, I think. So yes to Vertigo. Um, finally. Who's a Shan Lung? Here we okay. go. Will you be eating noodles on LCAP? Right, Shan. Well, it's a good question. Yes. We will be. You I, had some already. I had noodles last night. So our food situation out here, if you're interested, we've also got a little kitchen at the back of the van. So we've got some basics, pasta, garlic, tomatoes, all that stuff. And then... Um, <laughs> pasta, garlic, yeah, tomatoes. There you go. Uh, but we've also got a load of freeze-dried food from a British company actually called Firepot. Um, and what have we got? We've got, well, we've got a porcini, a mushroom risotto. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very... Bougie. It's very hip. Yeah. yeah. We've got a beef stew with pearl barley. A chili con carne. Yeah, it's good gear. And what and you had was a spicy s- pork and noodles. Yeah. So, Shan, I know you're probably asking that question, trying to be funny because you're Asian. Because I know you're Asian. Because I know you. <laughs> Just to clarify, <laughs> is that what makes him funny? <laughs> no. Oh, that's why I asked the noodle. Yeah, question. Exactly. Right, oh, okay. well, expecting a no, but straight back at you, Shan. We will be eating a noodle. Yeah. And will you be eating noodles, Shan? They, him and Niall. Niall was spoken about on a previous podcast. Yes. Who came out ah, to yes, Grand Canaria? Of course. They are identical twins. Right. And genuinely, they are the stereotype. They eat noodles every single day. Okay. Well, if there's any specific noodles that we should eat, then I guess send nudes, Shan. And, uh, <laughs> and we will... Uh, we Please will don't send nudes, Shan. I've seen it before. Oh, God. Absolute squirrel. Uh, <laughs> oh, I bet he wasn't expecting that. No, poor guy. He's um, never going to ask a question again. Right, so that's all. Um, in the next... A few days, I guess, ahead of next episode. We're pretty busy climbing. We're going to climb a multi-pitch after this. We hopefully in the next episode we'll be announcing, or we will be announcing a big partnership that we've got, and we'll hopefully we'll have a, uh, a visitor before then that we can yeah share how that all went, which is going to be amazing. Um, and yeah, there'll be there'll be some more climbing stories and we'll eventually get stuck into what our day-to-day routine is when we know more about it. So we're obviously only on day two at the moment, but by that point, it'll be second nature. Just... And we'll be epic climbers by then. Yeah, moment. hopefully. We'll probably be world-class climbers next week. Hopefully so. something will have clicked and this will come from a totally different point <laughs> of view. Something like, oh! Oh, this is easy! That's how you climb. God. Like it. So, yeah, perfect. Right, well, thanks, guys, as always, for listening. Um, do share it review it let us know what you think fire any questions on instagram we we do like reading it and appreciate all the support peace out guys ciao 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 ciao